I think it's important in life that you have a strong why as an investor to, to move you forward and to compound your success. Best ever listeners, before we get into today's episode, I want to mention Trevor McGregor. Trevor is a real estate results coach. I've been paying him and working with him for years now. He actually is responsible for giving me the idea to do a podcast. So it's not only about transactions that he gives advice on how to find more deals, how to make more money, but also how to build a holistic plan around your real estate entrepreneurship endeavors. That's what I love about working with Trevor, that and being held accountable for what I say I'm going to do and actually making sure that I follow through and do it. I feel like I'm a pretty results-oriented, accountable kind of person, but it's always nice to have someone who's there guiding you along the way and giving you strategy as well as psychology tips for how to deal with you know the things that come up as a real estate entrepreneur. Trevor has made a wonderful offer for the best ever listeners, and that is that he's offering a free coaching session. Go to coachwithtrevor.com. That's C-O-A-C-H-W-I-T-H-T-R-E-V-O-R.com. Highly recommend him. I've worked with him before. I'm currently working with him right now as my business, as my real estate investing coach. Highly recommend you do the same. Take him up on his offer. Get a free coaching session. Coachwithtrevor.com. Hi, Best Ever listeners. Welcome to the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the show where we cut out all that fluffy stuff. We get straight to the real estate advice that moves your business forward. We've spoken to Barbara Corcoran from Shark Tank, Robert Kiyosaki, the author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And with us today, we've got Craig Horton. How you doing, Craig? Real great. Uh, another day in paradise out here in Medford, Oregon. There you go. And you, you already mentioned where you're from, so I only have to mention that. Uh, Craig, as he just said, he's from Medford, Oregon. Um, well, I guess I just did mention that, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, no problem. That's okay. Yeah. He's, he's been a real estate investor since 1975. He owns 22 units, mostly single-family homes, with 17 of them being um, already paid off. He's a board member of the People's Bank of Commerce since 2000. Four, and he's the past president of the Southern Oregon Real Estate Owners Association. He also owns 55% of a 17-unit apartment community in Ashland, Oregon, and has an option to buy the remaining percentage this July. And he's done a 36-unit condo conversion project with a partnership. And in his notes, he wrote to me, I would not do such a project again. So we'll hear about that too. With that being said, Craig, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? I've been a, a real estate investor for 40 years. My father is my mentor and my hero, and he got me in this business. And I'm a, I'm a get-rich-slow, buy-and-hold guy. Over the years, we bought houses, and we own part of an apartment complex, and we just slowly paid them off. My journey in the real estate business took a dramatic turn in 1996 when my wife and I we owned our own home. We lived there for 18 years, and we got a letter from the city of Medford that said, we're going to put a road through, and we're going to take two houses, and you're one of the houses that we're going to take. Mm. So we fought it, and we lost by one vote at city council, and so our house was condemned, and we were forced to move. And I made a vow when we moved that uh, I would try to buy all the property around us, and I never wanted to go through condemnation again. And that's my why for real estate investing. I think it's important in life that you have a strong why 
as an investor to, to move you forward and to compound your success. Not wanting to go through condemnation again is my why. So you wanted to buy the property around you so that it would be a, a group thing if they tried to do that again? Right. Exactly. Yeah. I was totally shocked when I got the letter because we lived there 18 years. We, we had one child and we raised that child there and we took really good care of our property and we fought it and we had a public hearing, but we lost by one vote at the city council meeting. There was a tie vote and the mayor voted against us. So we gave up. It was just an experience I'll never forget. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty well over it now, but I do not like condemnation at all. Or that mayor. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I talked to him before the hearing. My mom went to high school with him, and I talked to him about our situation, and he seemed real sympathetic, and then he, and then he turned it on us. He's passed away, so it's okay. <laughs> well, you mentioned that you slowly paid off the homes over time. Right. Do you have a full-time job that did that, or was the income from the properties being reinvested to pay down the mortgage over time? I basically have a full-time job. We have a family property management business. We manage 217 units, four apartment projects in Medford, two in Ashland, and they're all uh, basically paid for. My dad built all the projects. My dad's 89. He'll be 90 in July. Comes in the office every day. He's He's just a tremendous individual. The money from that and then uh, the cash flow from the units, we just slowly, uh, gradually paid off what we have. And, and we've got a, a what I call a freedom number now, a passive income that's been generated that's just pretty substantial. When you take a look at your portfolio, what's been the most profitable purchase that you've made? The most profitable purchase is in 1984, we bought a three-bedroom, two-bath house. It was owned by the Oregon Department of Veterans Affairs. It was a a bid sale. The kicker was if you were a veteran, you did not have to live in the house. The interest rate was 6.7% for 25 years, and rates at that time were 12%. So we bought the house. We put 5% down. I didn't have to live in it. I still own the house today, and it just cash flows like clockwork. It's It's been a great property. And what about the property that you would rather, if looking back on it, you wouldn't do? Well, that's the condo conversion. I, 1978 to 1988, I did a condo conversion, 36 units. I was a general partner with a 25% ownership interest. And I got out of it, but uh, I got some tax benefits, but I didn't make any money and I learned a lot, but I would never do that again. I'm a little bit of a maverick because I've tried to stay away from partnerships. Uh, the, the dissolution was bitter, and I just, I'm just i just a lot more comfortable just doing stuff you know, on my own if I can. Was it the actual partnership, or was it the actual strategy of condo conversion that you wouldn't do again? It was a partnership more than anything. I had a guy that was the majority owner that just did some stuff that we probably shouldn't have done, and I didn't have the courage to say no. This real estate investment, as you know, is a relationship business, and you really have to know who you're working with. And I don't think I really knew the guy, uh, even though we were together for 10 years. Uh, it was a bitter experience. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, he, he has passed away also, not, not due to the stress. Something else happened in his life, and he passed away. It, it, it was tough. What was the circumstance where there was something happening and you didn't have the courage to say no, as you put it? What was going on? 
we got down to the end of the conversion and we were selling units and it was going good. And then he was became a, a real estate agent. He made a couple of trades for property that we shouldn't have been into. One of them was kind of a slum, like fourplex. And then the other one was an office building that had a negative cash flow. And what I should have done is said, I, I'm not going to sign these papers for these deals. I just want to liquidate and cash out so we can get out of this. And, but I didn't do that. And that was a big mistake. So instead of taking the profits or a lot of the profits were reinvested into other deals that weren't as good and then you basically broke even? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. On the actual condo conversion front, would that be something that you'd do again if you did it on your own? No. <laughs> I don't know. It, it, it was a lot of work. I would say the rewards in, in relationship to the effort were just not there. I like to get big bang for my buck. And unfortunately, in this in that uh, condo conversion, I just don't see getting a lot of uh, big bang for your buck. It goes back to should you be a developer or not, and what are the rewards versus the risks from that yeah. compared to just buying a performing or at least a an existing property and then turning it around. Yeah, exactly. I just don't think I'm. I have the psychology of a developer. I mean, that's a very good point that you brought up. It's not something I'm comfortable with. My dad is. He likes that, but I'm just, I'm just not into it. I like stuff that's already built, and you can, you know, you can manage it, and it cash flows. And that's my motto in life: is happiness is a positive cash flow. <laughs> with the 17 units where you own 55 percent, and you have an option to buy the 45 percent this July, can you explain the dynamics of that transaction? Yes, that's really interesting. I went to a John Schaub seminar. I'm a big John Schaub fan and talked about options. I thought about it. I said, well, I'm going to ask my mom and dad because I own 55% of 17. I'm going to ask them for an option to buy the other 45%. So I sat down with him and he was willing to do that. And not only that, but he was willing to discount the value to an estate appraisal value, which was probably somewhere in the area of 50% of what the actual uh, you know, market value was because he wanted to do that for estate planning purposes. He wanted to you know, move out of some property and, and uh, do that. So I said, sure. And so we put it together. We'd pay $300 a month for 10 years. And my mom is basically the legal owner of that uh, interest. At the end of 10 years, we assume ownership. Or if she died before the end of 10 years, we would assume ownership. I have to come up with uh, about 40000 more to, to close the deal, but it's just a terrific deal, and it's win-win for both parties, and they're happy that they can move their estate into a different situation for them, and they're happy with the option agreement. It, it's just, it was a wonderful uh, transaction. It, it kind of surprised me that they would be willing to discount the value, but uh, they felt comfortable with that because I could have gone just at market value with an option and just exercise the option after 10 years. The generosity of my mom and dad, I just have tremendous respect. He's got a lot of integrity. He's well-respected in the community, and he's he's a fine man. I'm just truly, truly blessed. Have you tried to use this approach on other deals outside of the, the family? I have not. I think the lesson there is that sometimes you just have to ask the questions. You get You ask questions of people, and you get them to talk and to find out where they're coming from. Uh, I've done this in a lot of uh, conversations, and I learned this particularly from Brian Tracy in his books and whatnot. He advocates just 
when you talk to people, ask them questions and get them to talk about themselves. And you can just learn so much and they like it because people like to talk about themselves. It's just, it's amazing. On the properties that you have now, as well as the properties that you manage, how much time do you spend on the business and what are you doing when you're spending that time? I work basically a 40-hour week on our apartment buildings. That's about the extent of it. We have, sometimes we have night and emergency calls because uh, they'll call me at home for something, but I just refer it to our maintenance guy or somebody in our office. I've got a tremendous staff. We've got four people in our office full-time. My wife is our office manager, and we've got two maintenance guys and then two, two grounds guys. And then we've got vendors that we sub out jobs to. And the operation just really kind of, you know, runs itself. It's not, uh, I, I'm just supervising and make sure that things are okay and, you know, trying to provide great customer service to our people that rent from us. We have a saying in our office that every phone call is a prospect. So I really stress returning phone calls, not only to people that want to rent from us, but to our existing people that rent from us. Our customer service is just extremely important. What advice would you have for somebody who wants to start their own property management company and get it to the level that you have yours? I would say you need to deal with owners that are willing to spend the money to fix up the property if they have repairs. I think the weakness in property management operations in in some situations are you, you get involved with owners that don't want to spend the money to fix the property. That's not something ethically that I can live with, and I, I think it's it's very sad. If you're willing to make that commitment, then I think you can really run a successful business. But you've got to deal with owners that are willing to fix their property, you know, do, do repairs, because some of them are real tight and they just don't want to spend the money, and that's that's the wrong way to go. What's your best real estate investing advice ever? My best real estate investing advice ever is to know your why for investing. If you know your why, then you can move forward and you can compound your success. That's it for me. My why is uh, not to go through condemnation again. So that's my why. And that's, that's why I get up every day and I go to work and I love what I do. Once you purchased all the homes around you, then I would imagine that that would mitigate most of the risk of going through condemnation again. So what continues to propel you for future deals if you've you know, isolated and, and mitigated that risk that is your why? I would say I would give you a second why, and I've talked to my wife about this. My wife and I are very close. We've been married 43 years, and I told my wife, I said, I never want you to go to a nursing home. I said, if you get seriously ill, I'm going to have the assets and the resources where we're going to have private care here, and I never want you to go to a nursing home. And that's my second why, because I love my wife so much. If you met her, uh, she's really the best. I'm just truly honored and, and blessed to be married to her. You've been the president of the Real Estate Owners Association in Southern Oregon. You're on the board for People's Bank of Commerce. You've mentioned you know, the strong relationship you have both with your wife and uh, your dad. And we've exchanged some emails before and you mentioned, you know, your son. And it's clear that, you know, relationships are really important to you. How do you build a strong relationship from a business standpoint with people? Because in order to become a president of any organization, it's likely you have to be elected and people are electing you. So you've built that, that trust with them. How do you do that? 
I think the key is to ask questions of people and get them to talk about themselves. People really love to talk about themselves. If, if you can ask them good questions and get them to talk about themselves, you can develop such a tremendous rapport. And I do this a lot. And I learned this primarily from Brian Tracy. I'm a big Brian Tracy fan. It really, uh, really works. I think the second part to that is you have to live a life of integrity. You, you have to be somebody that's trusted, that's respected. You have to live by your word. My father is a, a man of extreme integrity and high honor. If you gave him a million dollars tomorrow, you could come back in a week and he'd give you the million dollars back. He is such a, a positive role model. And I I have tremendous respect and he's one of my mentors. But uh, in integrity, you know, a strong system of ethics is just keeping your word. Boy, that, that stuff, uh, you know, it, it's really, really important. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Go ahead. All right. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Are you looking to buy in Memphis, Tennessee, or do you need some property management help in Memphis, Tennessee? Well, then go talk to Douglas Skipworth. Episode number 455 is when I spoke to him. He's got a company called CrestCore, and they specialize in real estate and property management in Memphis. Go to CrestCore.com. That's C-R-E-S-T-C-O-R-E.com. Best ever book you've read? Best ever book I've read is Success is a Journey by Brian Tracy. It's about crossing the Sahara Desert, which he has done, and what he learned from it. It's a tremendous book. You know, I think I listened to a conference where he talked about that trip, and it, it was just very engaging. I, I think I remember that. It's like a, a couple years ago. Yeah, if you ever have the opportunity, and he's coming to Medford, Oregon in a week to speak, but if you ever have the opportunity to go to his live seminar, I highly recommend it. We went about 10 years ago with my wife, and he's a great speaker, and he just he really inspires and motivates people. He's, uh, I'm a big, big fan. Best ever personal growth experience and what you learned from it? Best ever personal growth experience is we took a, a free and clear house and we put it into a foundation that we started. And the foundation has 13 charities that are affiliated with our church. And we, we run that foundation today and every year we give away about three to $5,000 to uh, uh, charities that support our church and we just love it. And it, it's our legacy and our future. Best ever deal you've done? Best ever deal I've done is the house that I mentioned that I purchased in 1984 with from the Oregon Department of Veterans Affairs, 5% down, 6.7% interest for 25 years. Cash flowed from day one, still own the house. I've had a guy in there for probably 20 years, raised the rent a couple times, but man, it's a great property. <laughs> Did you ever think about refinancing it with better interest rates? It's possible, but uh, I'm not really in the acquisition mode at this time. I'm just in the buy and hold and pay everything off. The thing you have to be careful about with lenders is if you've got a loan on there, sometimes they have control. I'm not a control freak, but I just like situations where I own it free and clear, and I don't have to consult with a lender to make decisions on, in, on sometimes. What's the biggest mistake you've made in real estate? The biggest mistake was the condo conversion. 1978 to 1988, I was involved in that. I was a 25% general partner. I learned a lot, but it was a lot of work, and the, and the, the partnership dissolution was bitter. I'm kind of a little bit of a maverick, like I said before, that I just stay away from partnerships. I, I don't like them. My dad's involved in several, and they're okay, but I really don't like partnerships very much. And what's the best ever place the best ever listeners can reach you? Best ever place to uh, reach me is you can call me on the phone at my office, 
541-772-4180. We have a 24-hour answering service, and I always return my phone calls. Every prospect is a phone call. That's one of the models for our company and our office. Well, thank you so much, Craig, for being on the show and talking about your story over the 40 years of investing that you've had and the impetus behind it, what jump-started it, and then the reason why for how to keep going, why you're you're, uh, achieving at the level that you're achieving, your get-rich-slow plan, and the approach that you take with the management of those properties where every phone call is a prospect, you return every phone call, and you know the, the lessons that you've learned along the way from your dad as well as your own personal experiences and the different partnerships that didn't work out and uh, how you've applied that to your business now. So thanks so much for being on the show, sharing your advice with Best Ever listeners, and I hope you have a Best Ever day. Talk to you soon. Yeah, it's an honor and a privilege to talk to you. Thank you so much. Did you achieve all your real estate goals in 2015? Well, if you did, congratulations, fist bump to you. If you didn't, then go to coachwithtrevor.com. Trevor McGregor is my business coach, my real estate coach. He's also been a guest on the show, episode 320. He is offering a free coaching session for the best ever listeners. Just go to coachwithtrevor.com and it'll help you to achieve your real estate goals in 2016.